This morning we're going to be considering false teachers and their lies, looking at 2 Peter chapter 2 verses 1 through to 3. In 2 Peter chapter 1, the Apostle Peter assures the readers of the reliability of what he and the other apostles say and teach concerning the Lord Jesus Christ and his gospel, pointing out that they were eyewitnesses of the majesty of Jesus. For example, three of them, including Peter, saw something of the divine glory of Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, when his face shone like the sun and his clothes were as white as light. At the same time, they heard the voice from heaven affirming the sonship of Jesus when God said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. They saw the miracles of Jesus, such as when he fed over 5,000 people with just five loaves of bread and two small fishes. Not forgetting when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead and made the following declaration, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. The apostles were appointed by Jesus to be his witnesses unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And even now, 2,000 years later, their testimony is recorded in our Bibles and lives on for our spiritual and eternal benefit. For example, as someone who beheld the glory of the incarnate Son of God, the Apostle John explained why it was that he recorded various miraculous signs of Jesus in his Gospel. In John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, John wrote, And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written, that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. In 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter also assured the readers of the reliability of the Old Testament prophets, pointing out that they spoke as they were moved by God the Holy Spirit. As well as the Old Testament prophecies and the doctrine of the apostles in the New Testament, everything else in the scriptures is in fact inspired by God or breathed onto the pages of the Bible by God the Holy Spirit. As the Apostle Paul said, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Having shown that the Old Testament prophets and the New Testament apostles were, are entirely trustworthy, Peter, Peter will, as we shall see in chapter 2, give a warning about false teachers in the churches. Such people are the successors 
of the false prophets of old. They are messengers of Satan, who is the father of lies, and the antidote to being deceived and poisoned by their lies has been dealt with in chapter 1, where Peter wrote about having a heart knowledge of God and giving diligence to add to your faith various virtues, namely virtue or praise, a knowledge of God's will, self-control, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness and love. Those virtues come with prayer and also, when you think about it, the virtue of knowledge of God's will comes through diligently and prayerfully studying the scriptures as well as listening to sound preachers and teachers. As you add those seven virtues to your God-given faith, you will be better equipped to ward off the charlatans that are invading churches and beguiling so many gullible Christians who are tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul wrote about putting on the whole armour of God, including the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. You are to use that sword to ward off the false teachers and their false doctrine. However, you can only do that if you have a grasp of the scriptures in the first place. Otherwise, you will be easy prey for those ravening wolves. Coming now to chapter 2 of one of sorry of 2 Peter chapter 2 verses 1 through to 3 it is written but there were also prophets false prophets among the people even as there shall be false teachers among you who privily shall bring in damnable heresies even denying the lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction and many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of and through covetousness they they, shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not and their damnation slumbereth not The false prophets of old were false for two reasons. They prophesied falsely and they were not sent by God. To be a self-appointed mouthpiece of God and then prophesy lies was a sin that was punishable by death. For example, in Jeremiah's time, the false prophets were said to prophesy by the false god Baal. One of them, Hananiah, gave the Jewish people a false hope by telling them that they would be free from Babylonian captivity within the space of two full years. That was far short of the time that God had actually decreed. The prophet Jeremiah was sent by God to Hananiah with the following message. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will cast thee from off the face of the earth. This year shalt thou die, 
because thou hast taught rebellion against the Lord. Hananiah died the same year in the seventh month because he had taught and encouraged the people to go against God's will, which was to be in subjection to the king of Babylon. In 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1, Peter says, There shall be false teachers among you. Peter is referring to self-appointed apostles, prophets, evangelists, as well as counterfeit pastors, Sunday school teachers and others within the churches who teach error. Though many of them may have been through Bible college and some may even be doctors of divinity or whatever, they are false teachers if they do not speak as thus saith the Lord. They are people who bring in damnable heresies, where heresy means a chosen course or thought or opinion that contradicts the word of God. The result is that they bring eternal damnation upon themselves and upon their willing hearers, whose ears they tickle with their lies. The Apostle Paul also gave a word of warning about false teachers and their willing hearers. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 2 through to 4, he said to the evangelist Timothy, Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. We'll have a look again at 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 1 where it is written, But there were false prophets among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. According to verse 1, the false teachers even deny the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. At first glance, it might seem as if Peter is saying that the false teachers or heretics deny the Lord Jesus Christ who redeemed them with his own precious blood at the cross and consequently they bring upon themselves damnation. In other words, it might seem as if Peter is teaching that someone who has been saved from his sins can lose his salvation and end up in hell because of his heresies, his lies. However, that interpretation would contradict many other Bible verses that teach that the redeemed of the Lord Jesus Christ are eternally saved, having been chosen before the foundation of the world for salvation. For example, 
In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4, the Apostle Paul said to the Ephesian Christians, According as he, that is God, have chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. And then, dear Christian, having been chosen before the foundation of the world, God saves you in the fullness of time with a holy and effectual call. For example, in John chapter 6 and verse 44, Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father which have sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. In other words, when you became a Christian, God drew you with loving kindness to his Son as a repentant sinner. By the grace of God, your heart was opened to attend to the gospel of Christ and to believe. Also by saying, I will raise him up at the last day, Jesus gives assurance of your eternal security. As Jesus the Good Shepherd also said in John chapter 10 verses 27 and 28, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. It couldn't be clearer, they shall never perish, and you as a Christian shall never perish. Therefore, coming back to what Peter said, in 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 1 that the false teachers even deny the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction clearly it cannot mean that those false teachers who bring upon themselves damnation were ever bought with the blood of Christ and saved from their sins in the first place The clue is in the word Lord. When you see Lord in the New Testament with reference to Jesus, it is a translation of the Greek word kurios. However, in 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 1, the word Lord doesn't come from that word. It comes from the Greek word despotes, from which we get the word despot, which means absolute ruler, which God is, of course. Despotes is only translated Lord five times in the New Testament, and each time it is with reference to God the Father. If you turn the pages of your Bible to Jude, chapter 1, verse 4, you'll see what I mean. In that verse, Jude, chapter 1, verse 4, There is a warning about false teachers, and it is written, For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness, and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. At the end of that verse, Lord God is despotes, God, the same as in 2 Peter, chapter 2, verse 1. 
and Lord Jesus Christ is kurios Jesus Christ, as one might expect. So, coming back to 2 Peter, chapter 2, verse 1, the Apostle Peter is not specifically talking about Jesus when he talks about the heretics denying God who bought them. What he is saying connects with the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, chapter 32 and verse 6, where Moses, speaking to the Israelites of old, said, Do ye thus be quite or repay the Lord, O foolish people and unwise? Is not he thy father that hath bought thee? Have he not made thee and established thee? Moses was addressing the ingratitude of the Jews towards God, who had bought or redeemed them from bondage in Egypt and had made them his special people. Therefore, the false teachers that Peter was referring to in the first instance were Jews. He warned that those charlatans would infiltrate the churches with their heresies, despite the Lord Jesus Christ and his work of redemption having been proclaimed by the prophets to their forefathers, and despite those prophecies of the Messiah having been recorded in the Hebrew Old Testament. Those Jews would bring swift destruction upon themselves and upon their followers because of their lies. Similarly, Paul's epistle to the Galatian church served as a warning about false teachers of Jewish, Jewish extraction who had infiltrated the church with their false gospel, a gospel that placed upon Christians a requirement to observe various Jewish dietary regulations, holy days and various other mosaic laws, instead of simply trusting in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just like Peter, Paul had some very strong words to say about the false teachers. He said, As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. What we can certainly learn from 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1 is that those whose teaching contradicts the word of God are heading for eternal damnation and so too are their disciples unless of course they repent and believe in the incarnate Son of God and his finished work of redemption. The heresies of the false teachers are manifold and I certainly don't intend to do any more than mention a few of the more serious ones, such as any teaching that rejects the Trinity, that denies that God is three persons, God the Father, God the Word or Son and God the Holy Spirit, of one substance, power and eternity, each having the whole divine essence. As I say this, I'm wondering, do you know enough scripture to be able to turn 
to any of the Bible verses that teach the triunity of God. Ultimately, much of the false teaching is designed to undermine and discredit the Lord Jesus Christ and his gospel. You'll see that to be the case if and when people from the Watchtower Society talk to you on your doorstep. After some chit-chat that we can all agree on, they try to dismantle the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Something that is becoming increasingly widespread in churches is the absence of a call to repent, despite clear teaching on repentance in the Bible. Many false preachers and teachers make a point of not addressing sin in any meaningful way, and that is a very serious matter when you consider that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and that he came with a message of repentance. I don't know how many times I've heard testimonies that have been devoid of any mention of repentance and forgiveness for sins. You would have to wonder what teaching the people who give those testimonies have had, and whether they have ever actually shown repentance towards God. It's a serious matter because... There is no such thing as an unrepentant Christian. There's also the false teaching that God did not punish the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. A leading proponent of that lie is Steve Chalk, who supposedly is an ordained Baptist pastor and he is the founder of the Oasis Trust, which employs over 5,000 people in the UK alone. His argument is, why can't God do what he asks us to be able to do, to freely forgive without demanding punishment first? If God needs someone to pay the price for our sin, the question is, does he ever really forgive anyone at all? What chalk and others reveal when they deny that Jesus was punished for the sins of all who trust in him is their failure to understand forgiveness when it comes to a holy and righteous God forgiving hell-deserving sinners. That kind of forgiveness goes way beyond simply receiving and accepting an apology. The Greek word that is translated forgiveness in the New Testament is also translated deliverance and liberty. For example, in Luke chapter 4 and verse 18, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he have anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He have sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty them that are bruised. Can you see that forgiveness in the Bible is all about the Lord Jesus Christ being sent by God to bring deliverance and liberty to people who are held captive to sin and to Satan? That freedom was achieved when Jesus was brought 
as a lamb to the slaughter, and God laid upon him the iniquity of all who believe in him. If that is not substitutional punishment, I don't know what it is. As it is written in Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 5 about Jesus, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace is upon him and with his stripes we are healed. John Gill commenting on that verse said, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, that is, the punishment of our sins was inflicted on him, whereby our peace and reconciliation with God was made by him. For chastisement here does not design the chastisement of a father and in love, such as the Lord chastises his people with, but an act of vindictive justice and in wrath, taking vengeance on our sins, of our surety, whereby divine wrath is appeased, justice is satisfied, and peace is made. Finally, I can think of many denominations and individual churches that are apostate. In other words, they have departed from the faith of the gospel Repentance and saving faith in the eternal Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, are not proclaimed. Those churches have embraced the ungodly practices of the world and so on. Damnable heresies are being preached in those churches as people are being entertained and their ears are being tickled. Therefore, it is incumbent upon me to show myself approved and called by God to minister to you by diligently and prayerfully preparing and delivering Bible studies and sermons that are scriptural, that honour God and that are food for your souls. It is also incumbent upon me to be very careful about who preaches from the pulpit when I am not doing so and who teaches in various other capacities within this church. As for you, it's not a matter of you having to do this and to do that and having to read your read and study your Bible, but you will nevertheless show yourself to be born again, to be a new creature in Christ, to be saved by the grace of God, if you earnestly desire to know more and more about God whom you claim to be your heavenly father and Jesus Christ whom you profess to be your saviour and your lord that comes from listening to faithful expositions of the word of God and studying the word for yourself after all being a Christian is about hearing Jesus and following him as he leads you in other words, it's about reading his word in the scriptures and walking in obedience to him as the spirit enables you. May that be the reality for each one of you and to God be the glory forever and ever. Amen.